morning, Nashville. I'm Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Wednesday, October 21st. Well, it's Wednesday already, so we can start to get ready for the Titans' next chance to stay undefeated. Pittsburgh comes to town on Sunday at noon in an AFC Battle Royale that features two 5-0 teams. And it's super eerie how similar these two teams really are, at least on paper. Pittsburgh is averaging 31 points a game. The Titans are sitting at 32.8 points per game. Both teams have been excellent in taking away the football and protecting the football. The Steelers are plus 5 in turnover margin. The Titans are plus 6. The Steelers want to run the ball and do it very well, as James Conner has three 100-yard games and is averaging 4.9 yards per carry. Derrick Henry has had three 100-yard games and is averaging 4.8 yards per carry. Both Ryan Tannehill and Ben Roethlisberger are completing 69% of their passes. Nice. And are ranked third and sixth in the NFL in quarterback rating, respectively. Oh, and both of them just lost one of their best players to a torn ACL in Taylor Lewan and the Steelers' star middle linebacker, Devin Bush. It's actually super weird how similar these two teams are on paper. Even Mike Vrabel has played for the Steelers. There is, however, one glaring difference, again, at least on paper. Pittsburgh is playing significantly more efficient defense. Pittsburgh is third in the NFL in yards per play allowed. The Titans are 29th. The Steelers are second in the NFL in yards per carry allowed. The Titans are 31st. The Steelers are fourth in the league in scoring defense. Titans are 15th. The Steelers are leading the NFL in sacks with 24. The Titans are 29th with just seven. And, of course, the Titans are dead last in third down defense, kind of by a mile. Without Lawan, this Titans offensive line was going to have its hands full with this Steelers defensive front. They got dudes all over the place, and they love to bring pressure from everywhere. Losing Bush hurts, and it gives Arthur Smith and the Titans offense maybe a place to attack on the Pittsburgh defense. I cannot wait to see the chess match between Smith and Pittsburgh defensive brain trust in head coach Mike Tomlin and defensive coordinator Kevin Butler. With the game getting postponed earlier this year and many in the Steel City quite annoyed with the Titans' COVID situation, this game already has some extra juice. But now you're telling me that home field advantage in the AFC playoffs could be on the line on Sunday? This ain't your average Week 7 NFL regular season game, folks. Buckle up. I was doing some digging into Alabama's offense and stumbled on some numbers I thought you guys might like. LSU from last season is largely considered the best offensive team in SEC history and possibly the most productive team in college football history, right? I still don't think it was more talented than the 0102 Miami teams, but I'm okay with calling 2019 LSU the most powerful offense ever assembled in college football history. Well, what if I told you that four games into the season, Alabama's offense this year was better? The Tigers went 16-0, averaged 48.4 points per game, and 7.9 yards per play, and they won the Natty. Through four games, Alabama is averaging more points per game, 48.5, and more yards per play, 8.3, than LSU did last season. These are just two stats, of course, and Alabama hasn't even finished half of the season, and Mac Jones isn't as talented as Joe Burrow. But this offensive line is loaded with future pros and is likely the best in America. There are two first-round draft picks at wide receiver in Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddell. The Tide has the best rushing attack in college football behind another future pro and 230-pound Najee Harris. And Jones, who is second in college football at 379 yards passing per game, is leading the country in yards per attempt at 13.2, which is two full yards better than Tua Tungavailoa or Joe Burrow last season. And while it's only four games, those numbers have all come against SEC competition, including what is probably the best defense in the country in Georgia. So those numbers have merit. 
Will Alabama keep this up for 10 or 11 or 12 games? Who, who knows? But it's totally worth noting that the Crimson Tide lost Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and the best quarterback in school history and have not only picked up where they left off, but are posting numbers that are on par with what many consider was the greatest offense of all time. This is what Jeremy Pruitt and Tennessee are faced with stopping this weekend. Thoughts and prayers. Please make sure to check out our SEC podcast, Fringe Element, rate, review, and subscribe every Wednesday on the 440 Sports Network. This week, myself and co-host Aaron Dugan dive into the Georgia quarterback situation with Seth Emerson of The Athletic, and we visit with former Auburn coach Gene Chizik, who is, of course, uniquely qualified to talk about what Gus Malzahn is currently going through on the Plains as an embattled Tigers coach. Check that out, Fringe Element, wherever you get your podcasts. Last night, Nashville SC kept their winning form with a 3-0 victory over FC Dallas in the first of a set of critical matches at Nissan Stadium. That makes six goals in their last two matches and three more points in the standings for those counting at home. In fact, Tuesday evening's result was so critical that I thought we'd bring in an expert, Tim Sullivan of ClubCountryUSA.com, to help explain just how important last night's win for the boys in gold actually was. And SC's second win in a row puts the club in the eighth place in the Eastern Conference playoff race. And with 10 teams making the playoffs, they're looking in pretty good position. That's especially true because they've played fewer games than the teams around them. They'll have a chance to make up some points on some of those guys without the opponents having a whole lot of say in the matter, unless it's the team that Nashville SC is playing on that given day. Their recent run of form has come with an outburst of goal scoring, three goals in a win last week against Houston Dynamo, and three goals last night in a win against FC Dallas. I guess they like playing teams from Texas. What's happened is that the team is finally getting the performances it expected out of a couple players who are the highest paid players on the roster. Hani Mukhtar had two goals and an assist against Houston. Randall Leal had a goal and an assist against FC Dallas. And of course, uh, most exciting for fans probably is that new signing striker John Durkadis scored his first goal as a Nashville SC player. There's an expectation that it's the first of many to come. And if that continues happening, NSC will be in great position, not only getting into the playoffs, but excelling through them. Special thanks to Tim Sullivan of ClubCountryUSA.com covering Nashville SC. And what he failed to mention in that explanation is that Daniel Rios also stole somebody's soul last night with a disgusting crossover and finish. Nashville SC will put its now winning streak on the line on Friday when they return to Nissan Stadium, a place they have not lost, as a reminder, since February 29th in the franchise's first ever game. Things are starting to get very real for Nashville SC, and this team is looking more and more dangerous by the day. If they can keep their offensive form, package it with arguably the greatest defensive team in expansion history in the MLS, this team could be legitimately dangerous in the MLS Cup. Thanks for listening, everybody. Please rate, review, and subscribe and share the show. My name is Braden Gall. This has been the 440 for Wednesday, October 21st. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.